Welcome to the Stripe Show. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. I'm excited to share with you this special episode of the Stripe Show podcast with Paul Tesori, just back from his time in Australia at the President's Cup. We'll get to that here momentarily. But first, I want to start with this with Paul Tesori, and that's the work that he does with his wife, Michelle, for the Tesori Family Foundation. Founded back in 2009, they've been helping kids with special needs all over the country. I've seen it firsthand, the All-Star Kids Clinic, every Wednesday during the Players' Championship Week. Please go check out their website, the TesoriFamilyFoundation.org. Paul has been helping his lending hand to many top PGA Tour players over the years. He's caddied for Vijay Singh, Sean O'Hare, Jerry Kelly, and now most recently, Webb Simpson. 20 wins in all Paul has been on the bag for, including the 2012 U.S. Open and 2018 Players' Championship with his man, Webb Simpson. Three Ryder Cups and eight President's Cups in all, including this most recent one, a win for the United States under Captain Tiger Woods 15 to 13. I got to catch up with Paul and all of the excitement and activities down in Australia, including what it was like to be a part of a team captained by Tiger Woods, but also inside of the ropes with the controversy that is Patrick Reed. Please enjoy this special edition of the Stripe Show podcast with Paul Tesori. And let's welcome in now Paul Tesori, the man himself, straight from Australia down under. You've got to be a little bit tired, my friend. <laughs> Travis, thanks for having me on. Yes, not only am I a little bit tired, I did what they call is the worst possible thing you can do. And I came back and I took a nap for about two hours right in oh. the middle of the day, which they say, whatever you do, don't do that. And of course, <laughs> I fell victim to the exactly don't do and uh, and took a nap. So I'm feeling rested right now, ready to go, um, ready to see uh, ready to see my son and daughter this afternoon. So yeah, um, excited to talk to you for a little bit. And uh, what what a week we just had. What an incredible event. It was an incredible event. I got to tell you, I, I was I was glued to the TV, Paul. I mean, I love every moment um, of the president's cup. It was absolutely, uh, captivating so many storylines and, and we're going to get to, uh, a lot of the storylines. Of course, you were a front row seat inside the ropes, uh, caddying for Webb Simpson, who's just continuing to play uh, terrific golf. And I, and I would ask you as a starting point here, how the, the flight home was with the team, but I know that you guys had to fly separate, but you were on the flight with the team, to Australia. And I, and as I understand, there was a, you know, there was a little bit of a party going on there on the way over, but then things dried up a little bit once on site. Is that accurate? (laughs) That is accurate. Yeah. (laughs) So we left the Bahamas on Saturday evening. We left uh, around eight o'clock and headed over. We had to make a stop in Acapulco to, uh, to refuel. And so from the Bahamas to Acapulco, there was full, you know, you could drink, you could have wine, you could have beers, you can have whatever your desire was. They had a nice big bar set up with some lovely hors d'oeuvres. But once we left Acapulco for the big flight um, over to Melbourne, uh, the drinking was done. Um, Tiger wanted to institute a dry week. He wanted to really make sure that the guys were serious, that they were hungry and that they were ready to go. And I think more so than anything, uh, this is my 11th team event, and it's wow. the first time I've ever had a or been a part of a dry week. Uh, and he said the caddies did not have to partake, but we did. Um, you know, we, we thought it would be weird uh, to have drinks around them if they weren't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his biggest thing is he knew how hard this was going to be. He knew, yeah. you know, the the youth of the um, Australia of the international team was going to be at a forefront and that we had quite a few players that were coming off either injury or long periods of not playing well, or just a lot of time off with, you know, with Ricky and, and Tony and Dustin who didn't even play the Bahamas. And then, you know, Weber had only played twice, even though he had played at a high level when he did tiger had only played once since the tour championship. So I think he kind of knew that there were going to be some long days and some long preparation going into it. So um, the guys definitely uh, got their fill in on the first part of the flight. And then it was extremely quiet once we took off from Mexico headed to uh, Melbourne. Yeah. Well, I can imagine it was a long week. And I don't know how Tiger does. I mean, he, he hosted 
the Hero World Challenge the week before. And then he turns around and he's not only the captain, but he's he's playing um, in the President's Cup. And yeah. he has to be absolutely drained. And of course, a 15 to 13 win um, for the United States, uh, Tiger Woods, of course. And I got to ask you, and, and you mentioned you've been part of now eight competitions in a team in team format, which is, which is outstanding. And, and you've seen Tiger, um, I'm sure in many of those as a player, but now as a captain, I'm curious when you watch that firsthand with Tiger as a captain, it looked like to me, that he was as serious and as intense as a captain as he normally is as a player. Yeah. I, I think that's the thing that surprised me the most. Um, I just thought, you know, knowing he was going to be a playing captain, and just knowing how much he has going on in his day-to-day life anyway, I really thought it might be a situation where he took a back seat and maybe allowed Freddie to do a lot of the kind of dotting of the I's and the T's and or Strick or uh, Zach, yeah. you know, to do some of that stuff. But he, he really didn't. And he was a full part of everything that was going on. For the last few weeks leading up to the event, caddies were receiving texts like me. Players were receiving texts. There were phone calls. There was – just trying to match everything up together as well as possible. And, uh, you know, it was a, it was one of the, I'm trying to go through again, three Ryder cup teams, eight president's cup teams, five for the good side. So eight on the U S side, three on the international side for Vige. But as far as my U S teams, it's the first captain I've had that actually came over and spent a lot of time with the caddies. Freddie was really, really good about this too, but tiger even took it to the next level where at dinner one night he sat during the entire dinner at our caddy table. And obviously we're having fun. We're telling stories, but he's also asking us questions because I think you can probably get a little better idea of how a player is playing by sitting down with their caddy yeah, and just saying, Hey, t- tell me what's going on out there right now. Yeah. This is what, you know, this is what Webb said. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you see anything else? What about this team? Are they bonding? Are they not bonding? And just kind of ask those questions. And a lot of times you'll get a more, uh, I think, realistic answer. Uh, you know, as a player, as an athlete, you want to play. There, I don't think there's any backup quarterbacks um, in the National Football League that would say, if you have your chance, do you want to play? Yes, I want to play. You don't want the guy in front of you to get hurt, but you want to play. And yeah. it's the same thing in these team events. So uh, I, th- I think Tiger did a great job of making sure all of those things were taken care of. And um, he was present the entire week. He, he really didn't practice that much. Now he took part in our practice sessions when we had our groups out there, but he really wasn't able to put in the amount of time he normally would put in as far as work goes. He took good care of his body, got therapy every day and worked out, but he really wasn't able to practice as much as normal. And to turn in the performance he did as a player to yeah. go three and oh, if he goes two and one, we tie the president's cup and if he goes one, one, and one, which would have been fine with everything else he had going, we would have lost. Yeah. So, well, it just felt like it felt like when he put himself out there with Abraham Answer, who was clearly the best player for the international squad, that you know he got about halfway through that match, maybe on 12, 13. And he just, it just felt like okay, if Tiger wins this match, then the President's Cup is going to the United States. It just for some weird and odd reason, that's the way it felt that's the way it was it was it was playing out and of course you know many other guys won including your man Webb Simpson on the final day but um, the internationals played well I you know hey meaningful golf in the middle of December with the best players in the world signed me up and 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 they delivered and you know Tiger put himself out there sitting himself on Saturday which was I think a surprise to all um, but it worked out. The guys responded and came back motivated on Sunday with confidence and, and put it away. So speaking of Tiger, so I saw this picture and <laughs> it was Tiger with his hat on backwards and it said, Paul, who now this goes, this story, it was a great picture. When I saw it, I knew exactly what it was, <laughs> but this, this story between you and Tiger Woods goes way back 20 years ago. Share it with our audience. I, I definitely will. All right. So I'm going to paint a little bit of the picture while we go through it. So I started working uh, as a caddy in 2000 uh, for VJ Singh. Me and VJ had become friends when I played on tour. Um, we had stayed in touch. And uh, he had uh, asked me to come out that summer. And I'd helped him out a little bit with his golf swing. And then he asked me to come out as his caddy for one week, hired me in a week, blah, blah, blah. So my third tournament caddying in my career was the President's Cup in Virginia uh, in 2000. 
And obviously, I was on the international team caddying for VJ. So the first match goes out and we're paired against Tiger and Noda. Second match comes out, we're paired against Tiger and Noda. Third match, Tiger and Noda. Fourth match, Tiger and Noda. And who do you think we get in singles? We get Tiger. So um, it was a situation where that year, Tiger had won three majors. Uh, VJ had won the other one being the Masters. Um, and the U S only needed a point and a half to retain the cup. It was a complete blowout. They had, the you know, or the Americans had played incredible golf all week. We had struggled VJ and I, we were one in three that week with only one win in the four matches. And people don't know this as we watch Noda on TV now, but Noda was an incredible player. He had won four times in a 13 month period yeah, and was one of the best players in the world there at that time. And, Tiger did not play well in any of the team sessions. Uh, Noda was truly carrying him the entire way around. So we show up on Sunday and the ball guys, which to explain that to the viewers are the guys as we're walking to the range, they have all of our golf balls, whether it's Titleist, whether it's Bridgestone, whether it's whatever precept Taylor made, they're all lined up and you get your balls. Well, when we showed up there on Sunday, the ball guys had 12 hats made and stitched really nicely uh, for the international team that said Tiger who on the back. Now the ball guys were all Americans, but Tiger hadn't signed their flag yet. Um, he later told me he was going to, he was actually going to give them a different one, but he had not signed their flag yet. So 23 to 24 guys had, so they thought it'd be funny to have these hats made up. I saw it. I thought it was hilarious. I go to the range, showed VJ, VJ laughed. He goes, yeah, put it on. <laughs> so we go out to the course and everything's fine. Normal match. VJ's one up through three and we get to the fourth hole. Tiger, it's par three. Tiger hits it in the water, chips it to about 15 feet. And Tiger's, or VJ's only got five feet for birdie. So VJ says, Tiger, pick it up. That's good. Thinking he's going to say, yeah, VJ's is good too. But Tiger doesn't say anything <laughs> from 10 feet. I'm like, well, he, he knows, you know, VJ's not the best putter. Sometimes he's going to make him putt it. So VJ puts it down to, I'm going to say a millimeter. It was hanging half the balls over the front edge, half the balls out. So we obviously assume it's good, but we haven't heard anything. And we turn around and look. And Tiger's staying on the side of the green with his arms crossed and a scowl on his face. <laughs> and I remember VJ looking at me and goes, well, bud, I think he saw your hat and doesn't think it's as funny as we do. <laughs> so, so VJ taps in um, to go two up through four. We get to the next tee box and I'll never forget the swing, but Tiger turned probably an extra 15 degrees on his back swing and about a 305 yard, which back then was long oh, yeah. in 2000, about a, 305 yard one yard draw came out and tiger played the next 13 holes seven under and beat us two and one uh, so so needless needless to say he showed us uh who, who tiger was yeah um when i got done with that round there was i mean it must have been 20 different news agencies there and i realized very quickly whoops i made a mistake um even though even though in my heart it was meant to be a joke uh it was you know, innocent it was innocent, but it didn't come off that way. So the last little part of the story, and this is Webb's <laughs> favorite story, and again, Tiger likes this one too, but we never really talked about it. I had gone up to him a couple of weeks later and just said, hey, bud, I, it feels like there's some weird tension out here. I didn't mean any disrespect. It was meant as a joke, blah, blah, blah. And he said, thank you for saying that, that it just made him want to kick our, you know what. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But he didn't take it disrespectfully. So long story short, 2012, I'm working for Weber. I'm sorry. Uh, it had been 2011. I was working for Weber out at Tiger's tournament at Sherwood. Um, yep. And Tiger was on the putting green. I just turned to Weber and I was like, Weber, you know, things are still weird between him and I. We've played practice rounds together. We've done all that. But we've never talked about the hat. So I'm just going to throw something out here. Watch this. So Tiger, about five <laughs> seconds later, comes walking in front of me. I said, what's up, Tiger Hoop? He said, what's up, two and one? And he just kept walking. And, like, he did not miss a quarter of a second before he – and he took probably ten steps, and he looked back at me with that big old grin that he gets oh, yeah. going and smiled at me. But, like, he didn't forget. It had been ten over ten years, ten and a half years since the event. We hadn't talked about it. I throw it out there, and he said, what's up, two and one, right away. So – um, here we go 19 years later and we're sitting over, uh, in Australia, almost 20 years later and yep. we're sitting in Australia and I have no idea this is coming. It's, oh it, it's picture day. Um, John Wood is a dear friend of mine. He's caddied. I think this was his 14th team event. Um, and it was his idea for all the caddies to wear it and then mm -hmm. to call Weber and tiger and have those two wear it as well. 
And so unbeknownst to me, I'm just sitting around having a good day. We're about to go take pictures. And I see somebody's hat. Then I see the next hat. I'm like, what are y'all doing? And then, of course, I see, <laughs> Cap- I see Captain Woods. So, you know, for me, it is one of those things that, like, I'm always going to remember. I was getting yep. I was getting hazed. I was getting harassed. And I loved it. I was the center That's of the awesome. practical joke. But it was always meant to be something fun. Um, yep. even, at pre- even at the Ryder Cup last year, Jim Fuhrer could never heard the story. And as he asked me, you could tell he was still, like, angry about it. Um, he said, he goes, yeah, why'd you wear that stupid hat again? And Tiger was right there. Tiger like, no, 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 he, Paul, tell the story. He loves it when I tell the story. So, oh, does he? Oh yeah. Loves it. So <laughs> I read, I read, he like he loves the part with the arms crossed and the scowl on his face. That's his, <laughs> that's his favorite part of the story. I don't think he minds. He even admits that he played terrible the first five matches, but he does like that seven under on the last 13, oh, yeah. and two and one. He likes that part of the story too. So it's, it's that. Yes, yeah, that, it's that it's amazing. That's a that's a I I haven't heard the story articulated like that firsthand, and I there's a lot more depth to it than <laughs> than I was thinking, and then that's, but that's just Tiger, right? Like the the intimidation of standing there with his arms crossed, right? And you're like walking over and like oh oh no, right? oh no, like, oh, yeah. No. Well, <laughs> Even and DJ, and I think <laughs> we saw it. I think we saw it at the Presidents Cup too. You know, Aunt Abraham yeah. Answer, who is a tremendous player, and he's part of this young generation which we can get into later again that that we're seeing that Mm -hmm. you know at 22 years old they're not afraid nobody's afraid anymore it used to be when we were younger and you first came out you would never have wanted that spotlight and answer Mm -hmm. asked for that spotlight and i really do think that led to tiger playing even better in the singles and having more of that i just went back through and watched uh the coverage of sunday singles Mm-hmm. Um, just cause I love golf and you could see he had that look in his eye, um, the yeah. whole day, oh, yeah. like, uh, there, there's no messing around. I'm not captain woods right now. I'm not even teammate woods right now. My team needs me to go get a point. I'm going to go do that. Um, Abraham played great, but tiger yeah. just has that ability at times to kind of put on a different face, so to say, um, and to put his head down and to get it done. And I mean, I, I think right now he's starting to play the best golf he's played in 10 years. Uh, watching yeah. that coverage, his short game looks incredible and that's, yeah. His iron play in his short game is what made him the player that he was. Uh, you know, people say he was a bad driver of the ball, and that, that's a ridiculous comment. He was never a bad driver of the ball. It was just by far his weakness. Yeah. Um, you know, and no, I think that's fair. Yeah. And, and I think, and I think like he looked, you know, I mean, no one knows Augusta Greens better than Tiger. And those appeared, from my perspective, like they were had that kind of, you know, yes. feel to it, you know, kind of an For- Augusta type of green. For sure. And he looked he looked at home. I mean, it didn't matter how fast the greens were, but he just looked at peace on the greens. And and I gotta tell you, Paul, he looked I texted one of my friends, you know, after a couple of his drives. I, I just said, look, if Tiger is gonna step up with his driver and rip it down the middle and be that confident with it, I mean, look out. I mean, because he is the best iron player in the world. His short game is getting back to form where it used to be, and his putting just looks, you know, like it, it's he, his putting's going to be fine. Yeah, um, exactly. And I, I think you're right. You know, hitting driver off the first tee, and for those that haven't been there, it was downwind. If you pull it 12 yards, it's unplayable. Okay. And you know, if you block it 15, you're okay, but you cannot make birdie. So you only have about a 27-yard gap to hit that golf ball off the tee. If you don't hit it there, you're either taking an unplayable or you're not making birdie. And to step up there in singles and to rip driver down the middle, um, again, just shows how confident that he is. Exactly. Um, That's exactly my thought when when he stepped up on the first hole because he's, you know, I mean, look, Tiger obviously shows some nerves on the first hole historically. I mean, he is not a good driver of the ball in the first hole. Right. He's, you know, that's usually his, his downfall, but, you know, I mean, gosh, he stepped up there on one and just ripped driver, and I was like, okay. I mean, yeah. that, that kind of got my attention a little well, bit. Well, I think it got all of our attention. Like, as yeah. a team, you see that, yeah. too. We're all watching that monitor. Um, some guys are already hitting balls. Some guys are already putting. But there's two big jumbotrons on the range and by the putting green. Mm-hmm. And what, a couple of us were still inside uh, when he hit it. And, you know, when he hit that drive, I think all of us felt the same way. Like, yeah. okay, here we go. Um, like, he's ready to go. And then on two – he hit it about 350 down the right hand side, hit six iron in. And to yep. tell you how yep. good that is, we hit a five wood in um, about an hour and 15 minutes later, uh, just to show you how far he drove that ball. So, how uh, hard, again, how, how firm was number one green? Yeah, like I, I don't know how to explain it. Um, <laughs> that I, I'm, I'm going to do my best um, <laughs> because, first of all, Royal Melbourne, um, 
is the way I believe golf should be played. Okay. Now, on the ground, now, running. Yep. On the ground, running. But I don't believe it has to be necessarily as hard as Royal Melbourne. The greens are just – they are really difficult. They're extremely undulating on the side of the greens. It's like an old Donald Ross golf course that you have the greens running 12. That would be like the only comparison I could give you. Yeah. Um, but because for members now at world-class levels, yes, give us a Royal Melbourne, but I think, you know, for your regular players, it would be a little bit too difficult. But what I mean is the golf course that we played on Sunday was 6,860 yards. Yeah, That is unheard of. Um, at Aaron wow. Hills where Ketka shot 16 unders, it, 16 under, it was 7,870 one day. So this course yeah. was a thousand wow. yards shorter. And I went through all the scores and the lowest score of the day was five under par. Really? Yes. And and it w- didn't blow that hard. It was just like a normal 10 to 15 there, which is kind of a regular day um, mm-hmm. in Australia. And I just think we need more golf courses like that. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of dog legs. Every hole, if you want to, if you've got big enough kahunas and you are a good enough driver of the ball, you can hit driver on every hole. But that's probably not the right way to play golf course. So yeah. I think by that, by that same, I love golf courses where there's not a lot of force carries. Um, that It really makes really tactical in how you want to play the game. TPC Sawgrass would be another one for me that I just love it. You know, you have to bend the ball both ways. You can hit driver on every hole, but if you do, you're going to have to take on some risk at the same time. So, you know, to, to watch how firm and fast the golf course played, to be able to be around that course, knowing that if you hit good shots, you're going to get rewarded. If you don't, it won't. So number one was your question about how firm the green is. I'm going somewhere. The third round, which was Saturday morning, it was early in the morning, still a little bit of dew on the ground. And the pin on the first hole was 20 on and six from the right. Webb hit a full sand wedge that landed two yards on and went over the back of the green. Wow. Um, and so that means the ball released 36 yards uh, and wow. went over the green. And one thing we figured out later on, uh, Patrick ended up doing the same thing. Patrick Reed landed at four yards on and went over the green. What yep. we learned earlier on is that, like, you have to play that golf course enough to where you know downwind – you can't lay back. You can't, you've got to knock it up there where you either can hit some kind of bump and run or some type of slice spinner to be able to help the contour of the green kind of work. It. And that's what you saw on Sunday in singles. Interesting. Everyone was getting it up there around that between 40 and 70 yard where you could really kind of, kind of slice the legs out from under it and put some spin on it and be able to hold the green. Wow. So um, just a brilliant golf course. Well, it's uh Jeez, it was it was fun to watch. I mean, what a golf course! And I just there was so many shots on one with a wedge coming in that would hit and literally look like you know it just hit cement. And <laughs> I just sat there and thought to myself, I mean, this golf course is is outstanding. And to your point, sixty eight hundred and sixty yards, uh, you know, with the dog legs. And I'm sure the internationals would have if they would have had full control they probably would have put a little bit more rough on the sides if they could you know to uh, to penalize some of the downfalls of the driving of the american teams the bombers but um it was you know they set it up to be fair to both sides and that's probably you know one of the per- perfect golf courses to do it and i, and I want to come back uh to the president's cup here in a little bit because i know webb played with patrick reed uh for a couple days there but i want to talk about webb for a second um, as uh, you know, I'm hearing you, you talk about his game, um, coming into some of these greens and hitting a, a five wood in the number two versus tiger six iron, you know, Webb Simpson to me is, is one of the most impressive players, um, in the game today. He's, he's the 11th ranked player in the world, first and foremost, but he's playing Paul in the power era. I mean, we're in the power era, right? Yes, we this are is on the PGA tour. It's grab the driver, create speed and hit it as far as you can. And as long as it's not in the water and out of balance and somewhat in front of you, let's find it and play it from there. Um, you know, he's, he's 288 yards off the tee last year, which is 145th on the PGA tour strokes gain off the tee. He's 114th. I don't think anybody in the top 10 is losing strokes or anybody in the top 11 is strokes off the tee. Um, so Webb, makes it up i mean listen to these stats from last year strokes gain approach 14th strokes gain around the green 20th strokes gain putting 11th i mean that's just incredible um numbers into the greens around the greens and on the green so i'm fascinating and i want to ask you this about how you go about this with web in the power hitter someone who's giving up so much distance off the tee someone who's losing strokes off the tee but yet is ranked 11th in the world um what 
what are the keys? Like when you guys get to a course and we can come off of Royal Melbourne here for a second, but when you get to a course on the PGA tour, let's call it, you know, what are the, the keys that you feel like you guys have to play to, to not only be competitive, because it's not the point of just being competitive. I mean, correct. Web is web is winning and, and competing. What are the two or three keys that you could share with this, given the distance he's given up off the tee? Yeah. I mean, what a tremendous question. I'm actually thankful that you asked because it is, we, we do live in an era where, you know, golf course designers are building golf courses that are built for one thing. And that is how far can you hit it? We're seeing massive widths of fairways. We're seeing what I call the forced carries, which I I'm not a big fan of at all, which means, you know, they put a bunker out that if you can fly at 290, the fairway widens, it's kind of like the opposite of the way Donald Ross kind of envisioned golf, which is where you pinch it in. If guys want to be aggressive, want to be aggressive. So, you know, we've had to kind of redefine how we play the game. And uh, I will go through a couple answers. The first answer um, is the simple one, the way we try to do things, but it, it can't always be done is that we try to, pick courses that we play that fit our games. So, yeah. you know, for instance, uh, as far as the West Coast goes, you know, courses like the Sony Open, courses like Phoenix. Um, if you come around to Florida, we have a lot of great ones for us. The Honda, Tampa, uh, the players um, are all old school. You got to bend the ball both ways. Uh, Hilton Head, another one. Um, and so that's the first line of defense is pick ones where there's not forced carries, where you have to work the ball left and right where distance control is hugely important um, and accuracy into the greens. So the second answer is you can't control that a lot of times. We play the World Golf Championship events. We play major championships where force carries are important. And so we've done a couple of things. The first thing we did is we've changed our clubs. Webb Web doesn't have the advantage of being able to have four wedges in his bag because we can't afford to give up what we have on the back end. Webb's that he gets made fun of all the time. He's got six head covers in his bag. One of them's a putter, obviously, but he's got a driver, a three-wood, a five-wood, a three-hybrid, and a four-hybrid. And Webb has to have those clubs in the bag because he is going to have to hit way more four-irons in the greens than pretty much anybody else that we're playing with. Um, you know, there's examples of when we played with John Rahm and Dustin Johnson at Liberty National last year where there would be a five-club difference on some of these holes where Jeez. where you might have a dog leg and a bunker to carry, let's say, at 295. Well, those guys could take it over the bunker and cut the hole in half and hit it down there. Well, Webb's got to hit a three-wood off the tee down the left-hand side. And, you know, uh, I remember the 18th hole at Liberty National, Dustin hit a nine-iron in and we hit a three-iron in. Um, and, and we, we hit it about 15 feet and Dustin hit it just outside of the 16 feet. And, and he asked the question, he goes, was that your gap wedge or sand wedge? And that's what he's, that's what he's named Webb's three hybrid and four hybrid. Uh, is this gap wedge and sand wedge uh, going <laughs> into the green? That's not fair <laughs> <laughs> because, because he's gotten so good at them, uh, to be honest with you. Um, and so the that's first thing is, yeah, I would say is equipment. You know, you got to put the equipment in your bag. Do we want four wedges? Absolutely we do, but we can't give it up on the back end. And then the last, yeah. the last thing I'll, I'll say is yep. kind of an, an attitude that we've had to really come into it as it's, it's 72 holes. And we know if we play it the right way, even though we're going to shoot three under and somebody that day is going to shoot nine under. Um, and it, it's really easy to go chase that six, seven, eight under par, but we know we can't get it from where we're going to play. If we play our game in 72 holes, we're going to be right there. We're going to have a chance. And the way we do that, um, we call it uh, – let me make sure I've got this right. We try to be non-aggressive. Help me out here. Um, I'm having a brain freeze. Conservative. Thank you. So we're trying to be conservatively aggressive. Yeah. And even though it sounds like kind of opposite words, what I mean is we will take a hole where other guys are hitting irons off the team. Yeah. What driver? My best example, Royal Melbourne, number four. It's a dog leg right, 420 yards. Most guys are hitting a three iron off the tee and an eight iron in the green. Well, Weber's got a few different shots with the driver, something that we've had to create. So he tees the ball all the way down, almost like it's off the ground and hits. It's like our two wood that we call it. And it's mm -hmm. just kind of like a little baby cut with it. It only flies probably 260, but then runs another 25 and he can shape it left to right really easily. So a hole like that, he's hitting driver off the tee where other guys aren't. And so okay. there's, there's those small opportunities in the middle of rounds where other guys are laying back that Webb can go ahead and hit his driver and kind of neutralize that distance. So uh, conservatively aggressive is something that we try to do um, as often as possible, anytime that we can. If we know that 
you know, because Webb is an accurate driver of the ball. He just doesn't drive it, um, you know, far enough. And the crazy right. thing about the game is he's gained seven yards in the last two years, and he's fallen in distance off the tee. It just shows you how, <laughs> how much how much the game has changed. You know, it's funny. He reminds me of – he kind of reminds me of Fred Funk when he was that age um, a little bit. Like, yeah, he – you know, I, I worked with Fred for many, many years, and I remember one time when, when Fred was on the Champions Tour, he – he played uh, in the web.com event, well, the Corn Ferry Tour now, but when it was at Sawgrass, they asked him to play as a um, honorary player, you know, as part of the, as part of the local community. Yeah. So he, he played, and I went out there with him um, for a couple rounds, and we got paired up with, uh, with uh, Luke List. Oh, who, gosh. And yeah. he hit a drive, and Luke didn't even hit driver most of the day. But on one hole, he did hit driver and Fred hit driver and we were standing in the fairway and I and Fred looked at me. And he says, I think he just hit it 100 yards past me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 amazing. It, I mean, I, it, you know, Luke is really, really long. And yes, he, he is. Back, he reached back and grabbed and hit one. And it was like, oh, my gosh, it wasn't 100, but yeah, it, it was 70, 80. Um, we we had some good 70 or 80s, like with, like with Cameron Champ um, in Phoenix this past year on the 18th hole. Um, we hit driver off the tee and had one, I think we had 111 to the hole, and Cam hit driver off the tee and had 30, 32 to the hole or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, it's just amazing how far the guys are hitting the golf ball. Just yeah. for those of you that were watching the President's Cup, you see what Bryson DeChambeau has done. Yeah. Um, you know, he's gone up 29 pounds already since the beginning of the year, and he, he wants to continue to go until he starts to lose flexibility, and then he'll stop. That's his goal. Mm. But on the range, um, he's hitting 130 every time. Anytime he wants 130 swing speed, he hits it every time. We went over wow. and watched him. We watched him hit five in a row, all between 130 and I think 131.6 was his height. And I asked him what was he at the beginning of the year. He said around 122. Now oh, these wow. are now these are on swings, not those won't be on course swings. These are swings yeah. where you're fully letting it go. I asked him yeah. how often he'll do it, and he said he won't even average one around. That would be okay. a, a specialty if he needed to. But Webb, because we were joking about it, got on there and gave it all he had and was 116.2. You know, so that'll show you 14 yards, and you're smarter about this than than I am. But was about two and a half yards per swing speed, so that would be about about 50 more yards in the air. Um, And you start looking again at course design, um, which I wish we would go back a little more old school in that design. But you look at course design, that could be a massive advantage, and that's why Bryson is going through what he's going through right now is realizing the way the game is going. Um, And if you can start flying the ball, if you can get to that 320 number the world is going to kind of be at your feet on, on a lot of these golf courses. The Stripe Show podcast brought to you by Encore Golf. Best-in-class golf balls fueled by state-of-the-art innovation. They have the holiday deal of the year. Go to EncoreGolf.com slash holiday promo to make someone's holiday and golf game a whole lot better. All right, we're going to come back to the President's Cup here in a minute, but we're going to switch it up. Play a little game here we call the three-word game. And... The way it works, Paul, is something's going to come out of my mouth, and you got three words to just react to it, however you want. Okay, I'm just going to say University of Florida. There you go. No, okay, I'm kidding. All right. All right, I'm right, done. So I'm I've done being a, funny. I'm ready. I got a, I've got a handful here. This is, this is fun. So, all right. Okay. So, the first one, first one is caddy life. Hard, but great. You know what? Caddying is hard. It, I mean, it I, don't is. Think, I don't think people realize how hard you guys work. I think it, they know you work hard, but I don't really think they understand how hard you yeah. guys work. Like, you know, it, you know, Australia was a perfect example. We fly in. We're all jet lagged. We get in there Monday afternoon. All the caddies go out the course and spend about seven hours at the course before it gets dark. And then we go back to the hotel. And then the next day we left at 530 on Wednesday. Yeah. I mean, Tuesday. And we stayed till eight um to make sure we had coursework done on wednesday so our average day at the president's cup the first six days was right around 13 hours and the last Jeez. day last day was a little bit less um Jeez. but yeah we do we do work hard and we're we're paid we're paid very well and we love what we do yeah um but and that's what i mean but it's hard 
but great at the same time. Like I, yeah. I wouldn't trade it, but, and then being away from the family and the young kids can be really brutal during some of the, uh, some of the stretches that we go the through. Stretches. I always told Fred, I said, look, I'm here to help you with your game. And we, you know, we've got our plan. I said, I'll do, you know, I'm here. I'm part of the team. I said, whatever, but I only have one thing that I will not do. And that's caddy. So. That a boy. Look at you. That's a smart man. You are wise beyond your years, Travis. And I caddied like two or three different times. And I wasn't very good at it. So I was like, look, I told you, I don't want to, I'm not good at it. I bet you would be good at it. hard for me. All right, next one. Next one. Three word game. Here it is. Ready? Here's the phrase. When you give a bad yardage to Webb. Mm. Don't fire me. <laughs> when's the last time i've when's never time? i've i've been fortunate enough i've never given web one um oh. yeah i've been fortunate there i have a system that's tried to uh hold me from that but i i gave vj a bad one in the u.s oh. open 2005 um at uh, in pinehurst on the 18th hole on friday um we had i gave him 100 and whatever 115 to the or whatever doesn't matter front flag on 18 at pinehurst he hit this beautiful wedge in there and it one hopped over the green to a front pin, uh, needless to say. Um, and so he gets up there and thank, thank goodness. You know, I was praying as he was over this chip and I realized about 30 yards afterwards, I got my book out and I started to go through my numbers. Like, yep, I did the old dreaded add and subtract. I subtracted five and add or added 10, whatever I did, I was exactly 20 yards off, which is, I mean, it's horrendous. He chipped it. He almost chipped it and it lift out for birdie. And so now the problem is I know that I've done it wrong. What do I do with it? Do I swallow it? Do I let it go? Or do I admit my, you know, mistake? So VJ gets done with scoring. I'm like, I got to tell him. It's like, VJ, uh, I got to talk to you. He goes, don't worry, bro. I, uh, I know the number was wrong. I asked Sergio. He's like, I made up my mind. If you didn't tell me, I was going to fire you on the spot. But you told <laughs> you He goes, but you told me we're good. Just don't let it happen again. And that was the end of <laughs> never brought it up again. So. Yeah, so that was 2005. Good. I, 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 2005. Yep. Hey, uh, no wonder you're out there in, uh, in, in demand for so well, long. Well, <laughs> let's let's knock on wood for sure. Uh, yeah. I hope that doesn't uh, that doesn't open up any new boxes for sure. All right, next one, three word game, 2018 Players Championship. Mm. best win ever uh you know for me those would be my three words best win ever yeah people don't understand it when i tell them that for me the players was a bigger win than the u.s open um there's a wow. lot of different there's a lot of different reasons why i had that answer first of all we led wire to wire um he was the center of attention the entire week whereas the u.s open going into sunday we had only given one interview the entire week and you know at the end of it you're standing there with a trophy number two I was born and raised here. My grandfather yep. taught me how to play the game at Jack's Beach. Uh, I walked on that 17th hole in 1981 before it was even grass. There was dirt. The hole was there, but it was dirt. Raymond Height, old superintendent from way back when, uh, him and my grandfather were friends. And so I had a five iron and a seven iron uh, to try to get it on the green. Uh, it was back at old junior sets you used to have when I was nine. And the seven iron kept going short and the five iron kept going over. Uh, but uh, I remember being there and that being my favorite tournament. Uh, the first time I ever walked on a PJ tour event again with Sawgrass country club across the street. So, uh, this is home and it's my yeah. major. Um, and for him to win and to come back from, uh, you know, the, the run in with the yips for two and a half years with the putter and to come back from where we had been and to win again, to do it there and the way he did it running away, it'll be, it'll be a memory I never forget. Yeah, I mean, he was he was in, incredible golf, and like you said, he went wire to wire, and you know, sleeping on the lead like that, it's uh, hard. I, I, can't, I can't imagine. I mean, I would just say it's hard, but I don't know. I mean, I can yeah. imagine how difficult it <laughs> <Yeah>. is. <laughs> you know, it, it, it was incredible. We had a seven shot lead going into Sunday. Yeah, and and it never felt safe. And it's the one golf course. It would be the last course on the tour mm -hmm. that I would want to hold on to that lead because oh, yeah. you can go get it at TPC if you want. It's a great thing about the golf course. If you're swinging well and you want to go try to chase a seven, eight, or even nine under, and yep. you put the driver in your hand and you have a great driving day, you can shoot those scores. But at the same time, you can shoot three over, and at the end of the day, be like, I don't know what happened. I played good. Yep. Um, and so it's a tough course to hang on to. We had some monsters chasing us. Uh, Tiger, J-Day, Duffner were all only four back uh, at one point on the backside. So 
it was never comfortable until we got it in the fairway on 18 then i was okay and could breathe a little bit yeah that was an awesome day of course i saw you earlier in the week uh with your uh with all the, the your foundation and charity work that you do um and um and then you guys just you know roll on from wednesday there and go wire to wire i i it was uh it was an awesome week and the players is is right around the corner here um you know, just what do we got here? Three and a half crazy. months away. It's just, it's uh, crazy to me. It's flying by. All right. Next one here. Three word game. Family. Family. Um, tiring, but amazing. Uh, <laughs> I think any parent, I know Travis, you can um, attest yeah. to this, but any parent, parenting is hard. They yeah. strip you of your patience. They can strip <laughs> you of your sleep. Um, you are exhausted all the time, but as soon as I'm gone for two days, I yearn to be back in their presence for sure. Um, it's awesome. It is uh, tiring, uh, tiring, but amazing would be my answer. Yeah, I uh, I don't think I need to add to that. That was uh, no, that was <laughs> I think that covers it said. for all of us. <laughs> yeah. Three word game. Tiger Woods as the player. Best ever. Exclamation point. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, what's cool real quick. And I got it. I got, I've got two more for you. What was, yeah. what was really cool, you know, and the president's cup, you know, is, hasn't been the Ryder cup. I mean, you know, the Ryder cup we know is just amped with the tradition, but this president cup just felt different. There's a lot of different reasons why, but tiger being the captain and to see those guys just, I mean, I've always said, look, anytime you can get the best players in the world playing, and you've got their peak attention and they're fully engaged. That's great. That's great. That's great television. And, you know, these guys went to Australia and they really, really wanted to get it done for Tiger. I mean, you could see the intensity yes. for them to do it, not just for the country. If they want to do it for the country, of course, but, but for, for TW, I mean, that's, that's the respect. They I, got. I, you know, there's no way we'll ever know, but I actually feel like if it would have been any other captain, yeah. I feel like we would have lost. Um, and, and not because any other captain wouldn't have done a great job. You know, we were staring very solidly at a nine, one deficit mm-hmm. at the end of the Friday, mm-hmm. the end of the second day. Um, every match was two down. Um, we were already down six to one with three more on the golf course. And somehow, some way we flipped those into two wins and a half yep. with two monster putts on the 18th hole by Justin Thomas and Patrick Cantlay. And another one by uh, Tony Finau later on. And, you know, I so much of that had to do, I think, with T-Dub being the captain. Yeah, I agree. He just, no one wanted to lose because we never want to see him lose. Um, we we, we want to make that. I know. I know. It's I mean, Tiger's done it to him his whole career. It's and, crazy. Yep. And, and Ernie did a great job. Uh, but, again, we, we have the stronger team. Uh, the international team played incredible all week. Mm-hmm. I do think it's as the days progressed, I think we got a little bit more used to the time zone. We got a little bit more used to the golf course, and thank goodness we were able to overcome it at the yep. end. But I think Tiger, just us playing for him instead of just – you don't want to say just playing for the country, but playing for the greatest of all time, um, it, it's it's a definite different um, uh, mindset going into yeah. it. So how about three-word game, Tiger Woods, the captain? Ooh, great. Um, impressive, engaged leadership. That's, those are big words, mm-hmm. but like he was a great leader. He impressed me in everything that he did. And he was just so fully engaged in every aspect of the team. You know, he was spending quality time with the caddies sitting down at our table, having dinner with us, um, instead of sitting with the players, asking us questions, telling stories, diving in knowing he might get a little bit more honest response from us than the players not that the players are trying to be dishonest but every player wants to play every athlete wants to play and i just think it was just extremely intelligent by him to do what he did and uh he was engaged from a month out as the tech started rolling into all of us till all the way to the finish on sunday night to the fun bus ride back celebrating um it was uh it was evident that he really wanted this yeah, it's just a matter of time before he rolls over to the Ryder Cup as the Agreed. captain, and um, but it's a great time for golf. You know, I, I, you know, I found myself for the first time ever coming off the Presidents Cup, and I said, you know what, I can't wait for the Presidents Cup in two more years. You know, like I don't think I've ever Isn't that said great? that. And uh, yeah, 
So it was just, it was awesome. Um, and I, and I, I want to, I think, go ahead. no, yeah. I'm sorry. No, I don't, I don't mean to interrupt you. I, I want to say one thing yeah. too, that, that we're seeing right now that I don't think some people realize um, it's, it's Tiger's generation that we're seeing. Yeah. The Abraham answers mm-hmm. the, uh, the kid M um, Ben on uh, Joaquin Neiman, yeah. uh, all these young kids that were on the international team. This is all Tiger's generation. They grew up watching him and thinking that the big moment was an expectation, Mm -hmm. thinking that the big moment was what I'm yearning for. And it's changed so much. You know, 20 years ago, if you were a bright-eyed rookie out there, you would have been terrified. Nobody's terrified anymore. The Americans aren't terrified. These young players, you you watch them come out, and they are just so hungry and so driven Mm -hmm. and not scared of the big moment at all. And you're seeing the same thing with the international team. And um, this competition, it's going to be – they'll probably split sides for the next 20 years. It's – it's incredible um, how high the level of golf is. I, I was blown away. We played good our first two matches, um, us and P. Reed, and we got beat one down and got beat two and one playing good golf, yeah. um, and that just shows you. Yeah, no, I, and that and that's a great segue back to, um, you know, back inside the ropes here of the President's Cup, and, you know, everyone knows all of the headlines coming into the week with Patrick Reed and what happened at the uh, – you know, what happened at Tiger's event, the Hero World Challenge. And, you know, there's different opinions and perspectives on what happened and then, you know, how Patrick has handled it since then. But you knew going over to Australia and it being everyone in fresh in mind that they were going to use that uh, to try to rattle Patrick Reed. And no one had a better seat than you did uh, with Webb Simpson paired with Patrick Reed for the first two days. Um, give us a feel for uh, what was going down there inside the ropes and the Aussies uh, treating Patrick Reed. Yeah. Um, you know, it was really, uh, it was tough. It was difficult. Uh, it was, I was a little surprised um, just because in 2011, the Australian fans were incredible. Um, they cheered for their team. Uh, you know, they, they cheered less for us. Um, you know, they didn't mind cheering if we made mistakes. I thought they were incredible. So I think I got a little bit spoiled yeah. last time around. Um, this time was a little bit different. Um, you know, Adam Scott had made a call to all the fans to, you know, not root for us and that they really wanted that 13th man on their yep. team to go forward and to help, the, you know, push them across the finish line. And obviously what happened with Patrick at the Bahamas on Friday just gave them um, more ammunition that they needed. And, you know, I I think it went too far personally. Um, We are a little bit shielded in golf. Um, I'm a little bit of an old school believer that I think it's okay that we have different expectations in golf. I think it's okay Mm -hmm. that we're different from every other sport. We call penalties on ourselves. Um, there's no other sport that will ever be created. I think that that is the case where we're, we're actually seeking out people to go say, Hey, my ball moved. I didn't make it move, but it's a penalty charge me. Um, and so I, I wish it was a little bit different, but, um, the fans were fine until it was time to like hit the ball. And I think then just still some of the jarring was a little bit too much. Uh, it's a tough situation to be in. It was definitely a distraction. Um, I wish I could say the American fans would have been better. Uh, and the truth is they wouldn't have been better. They would have been just as bad, if not worse. So I just think it's an expectation that I need to do a better job of at times, not going into thinking it's going to be daisies and roses instead of realizing we're on foreign turf and and they're going to be a little bit brutal. Um, I, I, I'm, I really like Patrick Reed and I know that there are plenty of people out there that won't agree with me, but I've seen the guy's heart. I've seen what he has to offer. Um, and he just has a tendency to make some pretty big mistakes and it happens in the public eye. And then maybe he doesn't react, Mm -hmm. you know, the right way. I think, I think if he could go back in time and I know he shared this with me and if he could just do the interview over after the hero challenge, I think he would have said, Hey guys, that looks terrible. I'm sorry. I I did. I wasn't trying to cheat. I wasn't trying to do anything. It looked bad. I accept my penalty. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, and, and just go forward from there instead of trying to make excuses, but I'm sure he was shocked when he got in, he thought he was going to come in with the lead and then he's told he's too back. And, um, you know, he paid a high price. It cost him about a half a million dollars and it cost him a win at the hero. Um, so he paid a high price for it. And, uh, unfortunately it's going to stick with him for a while. I don't think this is going to go away and that's the way golf is. So, 
Um, I wish it would, but you know, in this game, integrity is, is really high. And while I am sure in my heart, he had no intentions to purposefully, you know, remove the sand. It's, it's just one of those things. It's, it's going to stay with him. You felt like he was, it was kind of a, you know, it was a mistake that he was unaware of. And then when he got in, that was, you know, he, he finds out that he's got a two shot penalty, but your feeling is that he was innocent basically. Yeah. Well, I think uh, now obviously he committed the foul. It's definitely a two shot penalty that there's no argument there. I don't think he intentionally tried to cheat. Um, He knew that there was a camera back there. He knew that he was in the last group. He knew that he was leading the golf tournament. He knew. So I I don't think anybody in their right mind, which I do, somebody might argue, but I, I love Patrick. He was in his right mind. I just believe so. People don't really understand. So he was in a massive footprint. We were in two of those that yep. week too. And you do have to be careful. Like, because that sand is going to be probably three to four inches behind your ball. And like Webb, when he was in those footprints, you know, was practicing kind of that big wrist cock to get the club, you know, to set really, really steep going back. So he didn't hit the sand. And I think if you're not thinking in the moment and you're thinking about, well, this sucks here, my, my ball's in this thing. How am I going to get this thing out that it could happen unintentionally? And here's the thing. Anybody that says I'm wrong, that he did it intentionally, they don't know that. And for me saying that he didn't do it, I don't know that. There's only one person that knows whether whether or not he did it intentionally, and that's Patrick. But I believe if you really look at the facts, I don't think he did it intentionally. It just doesn't make sense with the cameras being in the last group. This isn't like he was on the third hole the first day and nobody's around. He accidentally got caught. He knew he was on camera. He was on camera on every single shot for the last three days. So um, I believe the penalty was just uh, like he said to me in private, like he would have answered differently in the press conference after if he had the chance to do it again Mm -hmm. and not said, well, it's just the camera angle. Um, I think he would have done that part a little bit different. Yeah, it seems fair that with Patrick, you know, and I think you bring up a good point in how he's handled it afterwards, probably maybe rubbed more people the wrong way than the actual infraction itself in that in some ways he almost played the victim card and didn't yes. didn't own up to what exactly um went down and show some um you know not sympathy towards it but just i think more self-awareness yeah. i think you know it's fair with patrick yeah if he was a little more in tune with the tone of the situation and, and be a little bit more self-aware, he would do himself more good. But in saying that, in saying that it, it, it almost appears that Patrick's comfortable with the way that he handles things. And like when there is controversy like that, is it fair to say that does, does, do you feel like from the outside, does he like that? Does he like the controversy and feed off of that? Or is he really someone that look, I can be more self-aware and make some of this stuff go away because I'd probably be a little more comfortable if it did. Well, yeah, I think it depends what the controversy is. He doesn't like this controversy. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Like he did great. I mean, he didn't complain. He didn't yell at you know any of the fans. He did the best. He tried to mock it. He tried to have fun with it because everybody had shovels out on the golf yep. course. Um, you know, there must've been 10,000 of these small shovels on the golf course. He, he was being called the excavator on every single hole. Like, I mean, there was a hundred comments a hole. So, you know, he's hearing yeah. between 1,500 and 2,000 comments a hole during the whole round. When he did the shoveling thing, I thought that was a great sign. But yet again, social media ambushed him. He's just trying to make light of a really hard situation. I think where Patrick really thrives is let's say he were to lose a golf tournament. Let's say he were to lose coming down the stretch and he were to get that kind of controversy, that would push him to play better. Or if he got too excited, yeah. if he did the shush mark in the Ryder Cup, that would get him excited. But I don't think this controversy, there's anything like that he would wish that to be because it's yeah, it was hard and, and the things that are being said are hard. And again, I think that if it didn't happen right after he got done shooting what he thought was only one under, he had a three shot lead. Now he was tied for the lead or might have been one back, whatever that was. Now he's being told he's three back. I think just the timing of everything led to that poor probably answer mm-hmm. um, afterwards. Like you said, maybe trying to play the victim. I don't think he did that intentionally only because I do know his heart. He is a friend. And at the same time, I think that if there'd have been somebody there to coach him a little bit better before he went out, like just say, Hey, that'd probably be good here. If you just say, Hey, this looks bad because it does take responsibility for yep. that. 
and then let's move on and uh and, and it'll it'll die down um yeah. but obviously that's not what happened and i think it's going to stay stay out you know it's interesting well i think it, you know unfortunately i think it's going to probably follow him for the rest of the career his career and you know you you mentioned vj in the past he was kind of caught in a rule situation you know that kind of followed him for for a long time and these are you know these are things these are things that kind of stick with a player but you know, yeah. it's interesting with Patrick, and I said this on my show, I called the Monday scorecard, is that, you know, he's, I don't know what the word is, but, you know, he's he's very different than, say, the, the, the carbon copy of what a professional golfer, perhaps the way <laughs> they behave, right, inside the ropes um, and even in the yes. press conference. I mean, he's, he's his own unique person. Um, and although I don't always agree with, you know, the way that he, you know, kind of handles things and go about things. The one thing that I mentioned on the show is I said, Patrick Reed is good for golf and he comes at it from a different angle. He's got intensity and I think he's great for golf and I think he's must watch TV. I got to tell you, like I, when Patrick's playing and there's something going on, like I find myself, you know, wanting to tune in, even though I don't agree with everything he's doing and that's okay. Right. I mean, we're not, right. we're not all the same. I think we need, characters we need different types of peoples and personalities out on tour and i gotta tell you like i mean i think webb simpson has to be the nicest person in the world because in every team event he seems to get this complicated person <laughs> patrick reed you're playing with webb bubba watson who you know hey he's got you know bubba's a different character as well and comes at it from a different a different point of view and i think that's okay like i respect that you know yeah. and I think we need right. more people like Bubba, but Bubba plays with Webb. What, what is it about Webb ball that, you, you know, it, one of the coolest things was to watch Captain Woods go up to Webb after, you know, we were 0 and 3 um, and we didn't play Saturday afternoon, which we shouldn't have. And he just went up to Webb and said, Webb, I just want to tell you something. Thank you. Um, you know, thank you for going out there in that hostile environment. Thank you for making Patrick feel comfortable. Patrick and Webb still wanted to play together even after going 0-2. You know, thank you for being a true team, yeah. mate. You were there, you know, when I was playing on the Ryder Cup teams. Um, like, he's kind of that – him and Kuchar they had as kind of floaters for the week, meaning that they could put him with anybody at any time. Um, and, you know, we really didn't know who we were playing with until uh, Wednesday night, uh, to be honest, until the pairings came out. So – um, it's one of those things that it's a compliment yeah. and I try to tell everybody exactly what you said. Webb is one of the kindest human beings on the planet. I've never met anybody like him. I'm fortunate enough to call him not only my friend, uh, but also call him my boss. Yeah. And, uh, he's just one of those personalities that you can go. And, you know, I think that we'll see too, the older Patrick gets, he'll mellow out. You know, if we go back and look in time and I had to read stories, but Jack Nicholas was not well liked at all. No. His first right. five or six years on yep. tour, he was brash. He was arrogant. Yeah, that's a great point. He was all these things, but he was really, really good at golf. And he said things you're not supposed to say, but he said them anyway. Um, there's that famous, uh, you know, playoff, uh, I think with Arnie. Um, at Oakmont, you know, which is Arnie grew up around there and he was just really brash yeah. about the things he's saying, but the older Jack got, and as the kids entered the mix and got older, you saw a softer version with Tiger, yep. you know, Tiger could be very, very guarded, not a good interviewer. Um, not always great to play golf with, but as he got older, as his kids grew up, he got kinder and kinder. And now it's so unbelievable to see this different side of it Tiger is. and yeah. this young generation should feel so fortunate because a lot of the older generation never got to see this side of yeah. Tiger and he's become an unbelievable ambassador of the game and still incredible at golf he could still be the number one player in the world at the end of next year like it wouldn't surprise anybody to be honest with you um and I still think he has more majors than him and more wins oh, so no if, his if his body holds up I don't I don't really know what the limit is there's no question. And I think with Patrick, he's 29 years of age. Um, clearly he's, he's got incredible talent. He's a master's winner. Um, you know, he's, like I said, he's kind of a must watch TV, especially in team competition. I just feel as if he matures and just become a little bit more self-aware, it'll do him good. Take some pressure. I agree. Take some pressure off of him that he doesn't like when he's inside the ropes and perhaps what he witnessed and what you witnessed for two days at the, at the president's cup might put that in motion a little bit quicker. I love that. I agree completely. Yeah. Well, Hey, 
Paul, I can't thank you enough, man. I know you're right down the street from me and we're, and we're, we're doing a podcast, but uh, you know, eight president's cups with three of those on the international side. And that's just, that's, that's just <laughs> fabulous. And three Ryder cups, um, obviously you and Webb, I mean, you guys got it going right now. Um, Webb coming off uh, really a, a, a solid couple years now rolling into uh, 2020. I'm excited for golf. I'm excited for you. And, uh, and I'm excited for your foundation as well, which I, um, I let the listeners know on the front end. So congratulations on all that work. Congratulations on president's cup. And, um, I, I look forward to seeing you at your big foundation charity event players week here in just a few months. Travis, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure, buddy, to be on uh, with somebody like you who not only loves golf the way I do, but you have changed a lot of people's lives and helped them get better at the game. And uh, that's kind of my job as a caddy. Yeah. Yours is a little bit more difficult, a little bit more technical, requires a lot more um, understanding of uh, biomechanics in the golf swing. But uh, for me to be able to give back in my small part, I just love it. Uh, so thanks for having me on and stay in touch. All right, buddy. Thanks again. All right, buddy. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Stripe Show podcast. I'm Travis Fulton. We'll see you next time.